So I get our title this morning will be Truly, Truly Turning Darkness to Light. Truly Turning Darkness to Light. I'm going to take my scripture reading this morning out of Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to hit Baptist bread and butter here this morning. And uh, and we're gonna we're gonna go right right uh, right down the line. We're gonna do verses eight, verses nine, and verses ten in Ephesians chapter two. For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And um, and so as we think about that title this morning, Truly Turning Darkness to Light, look at the way Paul um, starts out um, in this second chapter. And, and this was a letter, the, the divisions in the chapters are arbitrary. It's where the translators felt like there was the cleanest cut. But I actually believe if you look at this first verse, they should have stuck that first verse back up at the conclusion of the first chapter because of the word and, right? And you hath he quickened, right? And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and in sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Now, let's think about who he's writing to. He's writing to the, the members, right? He's writing to the church at Ephesus. And... Um, and so uh, he's writing them this letter, and he's and he's teach he's telling them this. He, he says he says you hath he quickened. Now that word quickened means you hath he made alive. Uh, that by its very insinuation uh, would say that they were not alive um, spiritually speaking prior to their quickening. Uh, they were dead. Uh, and he backs that up here in the next verse, and he says they were dead, and here's how they were dead. They were dead in trespasses and in sins. Now, if we go a little further down into this chapter, I want to tie this together. I'm going to try to anyway. Uh, in the 12th verse, he says to them, he says that at that time, and that time would have been before the gospel, right? And not just before the gospel, before Paul was sent out to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Um, before this time, that the gospel was brought to you uh, who were, as Paul says here, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, right? Um and so you're dead. You're dead in trespasses and in sins. Uh, and this is the this is the thing that you have in the in the in the life that you had prior to when you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Uh, in that time, you walked according to the course of this world. Uh, that is the world that existed prior to you. You walked uh, in a manner which was consistent with what you knew. Uh, and uh, and and it was sinful. Um, it was uh, it was uh, the worship of devils, really, was, which is uh, which is what idolatry is. Uh, we just went through the seven letters of the Church of Asia, uh, and in one of those churches where it says that uh, uh, the idolatry was presented, I believe it was Thyatira uh, that had uh, endured the doctrine of 
uh, Jezebel, uh, and it says, and had not known the depths of Satan. So that's uh, uh, that's where they were at. Uh, and Paul is saying, this is what you knew. And, and he says, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now, we will typically say this is Satan. Now, I've done some digging around on this, and I've believed this, but now... I believe I've always believed this was Satan, where it says the prince of the power, the prince of the power of the air, and I believe it is. Uh, and but it's not just Satan. I want to make sure that you point that out. It's also those that answer to Satan, right? Uh, if you go back and you study it, the Jews believed, uh, or the Israelites before that, as they were known, uh, they believed that uh, the air was filled. With demons, right? With serp, with 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 devils. Uh, what's really interesting, though, is it's not just them. Uh, you'll find where Plato believed the same thing. You'll find where people in pagan uh, uh, in pagan religions really kind of certainly believe the same thing or along the same lines of thought. And uh, and so. And so that's what he's talking about here, the prince of the power of the air. Uh, and then it, it is definitely talking about Satan where he says, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now, uh, that word that's translated as disobedience, is, is we're going to touch on that in just a minute because it's really going to touch on, it's really going to address what the problem was that they had as a people. Uh, talking about they of, of the church of Ephesus. Uh, now that word that's translated there is translated differently. If we go back over into the book of, uh, or if we flip over into the book of Hebrews, when we go into the book of Hebrews and we go into the third chapter, we're going to start in the 12th verse. It says, take heed, right? This is the, the Hebrew writer, which is uh, assumed to be Paul. He says, take heed, brethren, lest there be any of, uh, any of you, take heed lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our, of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, and he's going to quote the 95th Psalm in the 7th verse here, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. And I want to stop right there. If there's anybody that doesn't know the Lord, uh, maybe uh, uh, you uh, have never stopped to give any consideration to God about what God may think about your life. I, I would encourage everyone to do that. And maybe you're here, you're too young, and, and you're just learning. Uh, and you're just taking in and listening, and maybe you're doing something else. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice... Now, faith come by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I believe in that. But I would like to say this. If you'll give God time and place, I believe with the, uh, with the very, with, with, uh, with my whole heart, that if, if you will just give consideration over to God, 
uh, about how your life is and, and how it's structured and, and, and all the things that are in it. Uh, and, and God will absolutely show you everywhere within the realm of your heart where you stand with Him. And, and when He does that, right, which we have to preach the Word, we're called to do that, uh, and that's what we do. We do that to point you to the One who can bring peace down within your soul. Uh, that's what salvation is. If you want to know what it's like uh, to be saved, it means uh, simply this, that I'm at peace with the Lord my God. Uh, it's because uh, I felt the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Now that is the voice that you really need to pay attention to, is the convicting voice. I'm going to use the word voice here for a lack of a better word. It's not really a voice that I remember hearing when I got introduced to him. It was more of a sense of dread, but he was speaking very loudly because I knew what it meant, and I had to stop and I had to listen. And when I heard that voice, the voice that was preaching faded into the background. I'm not going to lie. It was Billy Moran who was preaching when I got under conviction. And we all have a very, uh, we hold him in high esteem, uh, though he'd be just a man. Uh, but, uh, uh, but I remember when that happened, um, I couldn't have told you another word that Billy Moran said that sermon. And I've listened to a lot of his sermons. i got some of them I listen to in the car. But that day when the Holy Spirit let me know where I was standing, the only person that was talking and saying anything that was getting through to me was him because I felt that sense of fear. I felt that dread. I felt that trembling. And I heard what he was saying to me. He was saying, you better get this right. Because it may be your only chance. In the 95th Psalm, he's quoting here. He says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. Now, this is referencing back to, uh, to the, the, the Israelites coming out of Egypt. And he's going to continue and clarify that. He says, For some, when they had heard, did provoke, uh, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. That means they, they weren't all going to make it into the promised land, were they? He's going to touch on why. He continues on, but with whom was he grieved for 40 years? And that, that means God. Who was God grieved by for 40 years? Now, we remember, don't we, how many, how many days it was they sent spies into the land of Canaan and they were in the land of Canaan searching out the land of Canaan for 40 days uh, and then the 12 spies, they come back and there's two that give a, a positive report, right? Joshua and Caleb give a positive report and they say the land is everything that God, and we're paraphrasing here, everything God said it would be, it is and we can take it. But the other ten, they said it's very true that the land is everything that God said it is. But the inhabitants of the land. 
I want you to understand this here today. If you're here and you've never been saved, or, or you're too young and, and you haven't gotten to the point where you're old enough, mature enough to really understand that you're responsible for what you do. That when you that when you do wrong, that you're responsible for it, not only to maybe your parents, but we're responsible for it to God, aren't we? And they heard that response. The the inhabitants of the land are great. They're far bigger, they're mightier, they're stronger than I am. We were having a conversation this morning in Sunday school about stature. And that's why Saul was picked to be the first king, right? Because of his stature. He was head and shoulders above everybody else in Israel. And they said, this is, this is a king right here. And we study that in Scripture sometimes. And we may say, man, that's a really silly way to choose your leaders. But if you go through the history of the presidents of the United States, you'll find they all stand head and shoulders, right, above most of the others. Height makes a big deal. Still does. And so we look at this and we say, look, whenever you hear that voice, whenever faith approaches you, there's going to be two roads to take, aren't there? You can, you can take the road of belief and you can say we can go down that road or you can take the road of unbelief, can't you? That's the road that so many of the, uh, the elders of Israel of the day took. They took the road of unbelief. They believed the bad report or the evil report versus uh, Joshua and Caleb's good report. And, and, uh, and because of their unbelief, let's, let's go on down here in the book of Hebrews. He's going to finish up. He's going to finish up. He says, was it not with them that had sinned? Who did they sin against? They sinned against God. Uh, and whose carcasses fell in the wilderness. Remember the excuse they gave for why they didn't want to go in and take the land? It's because they said that they didn't want to cause their wives or their children to become a prey to those inhabitants of the land that were so much mightier than they were. I want to tell you this morning, if you've got the Lord God on your side, you don't need anybody else fighting for you because there's nobody that can conquer him. Uh, he can win any battle that you face. He can overcome any obstacle that may get in front of you. Uh, you may think yourself be a grasshopper and, and they are giants, but God's greater than the tallest giant that you'll ever encounter. He says, and to whom he swore that they should not enter into his rest, but them that believed not. Jesus said to all those that, are, that labor and are heavy laden, he said, come unto me and I'll give you rest. He said, I will give you peace within your soul. Uh, and that's what they were going to have once they went over into the promised land. If they did everything the way God laid it out, they were going to be at rest, weren't they? They were going to be at peace because they would have, would have driven out all the inhabitants of the land. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. 
Now that word that is translated here as unbelief, that is the same word that Paul uses toward the Gentiles. It's translated in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 as disobedience. And so really the problem that the Gentiles had was that they just could not really believe in the God of Israel. Part of it was culture. Part of it was whatever you would have it to be. Uh, part of it was the fact that God had handpicked Abraham and had promised that his descendants, in him would all the nations uh, of the earth be blessed. Christ would come down through that line. So he put up a wall of separation there between the two uh, and committed unto them the lively oracles of God or the law. Uh, and so we see that he talks about them in these terms. Talks about them like that. The next verse, Paul says this, though. And this is speaking of Paul and Luke, uh, or, or Paul speaking of himself and those that are traveling with him, which at a time was Luke or whoever it may have been at the moment. Among whom. Also we. I want to stop with those four words. In the third verse, he says, Among whom also we. Now remember, he's just talking to the Gentiles, right? That's who the Ephesians are. He's saying, Here's here's what here's what the way you were before Christ. You were dead spiritually in trespasses and in sins. You walked according to your own walk. Uh, you walked according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that guided them, uh, which is the spirit of disobedience, which is the spirit of unbelief. Now that's what Satan really wants to happen there, is he wants you to not believe God. He wants you to not believe in God. He would rather drag you down with himself as collateral damage. But Paul doesn't just point fingers. This is the, the importance I want you to try to get out of the first four words there of that third verse. Paul doesn't just point fingers at the Gentiles. He says, and or among whom also we. In other words, he's saying the reason that you couldn't worship God's because of your unbelief or because of your disobedience. And what that really means is your distrust. But do you know what he says? Among whom also we. Over in the 26th division or 26th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, in the 14th verse. Paul speaking before King Agrippa. He says, And when we were all fallen to the earth, speaking of when he had heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Lord Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Guess what? Saul was a Pharisee, 
of the kingdom of Israel. He believed that he was so much better and higher and above the Gentile nations and the people that made them up. But you know where he found himself? He found himself in the same place, didn't he? He found himself in a place where he was convicted of his sins because of his unbelief in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a he was a tyrant. Paul was. Uh, Paul was one who was actively seeking and persecuting the church, consenting unto the death of Stephen. And I believe that's why he probably worked harder than all the other apostles. Listen to what the charge. I'm going to use that word. Because whenever we ordain a minister into the full work of the ministry, we'll have someone give the charge, won't we? Well, you know who gave the charge to Paul was Christ. (laughs) And you want to talk about something that would have been... That would have been a frightening charge to hear, wouldn't it, brother? To have Christ stand himself and deliver the charge. And he's going to relate the charge that was given to him by Christ. He says, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. For this purpose. To make thee a minister and a witness. I think that's something that we all forget far too often. We get wrapped up in our day-to-day lives... And I'm just as guilty of this as anybody else on any given day, in any given situation. We get so wrapped up in our individual lives. We get so preoccupied with what's going on in our own lives or in our own head that we forget that the whole time that we are going about doing these things, we're supposed to be putting forth the foot of a witness, aren't we? A witness of what Christ has done for the world. And I believe it's for the whole world. I don't believe it's for a, a, a select few. He says, To make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things which I will appear unto thee. Now listen to what he says. Here's where he's going to outline his prayer. Delivering thee from the people. That means his people. Right? You're no longer going back to the Jews. You're no longer going back to Jerusalem. Go ahead and get that out of your system. I believe this is why Paul possibly had to spend three years in the desert because it took three years to get that old doctrine that he had so rigidly in his system out of his system. He had to be cleansed of it. And we're not cleansed of doctrines overnight. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes study. It takes Meditation, it takes spending time with just you and the Lord and saying, Lord, you've given me under shepherds, but help me to know it. Delivering from the people, delivering thee from the people, that is the Jews, and from the Gentiles unto whom I send thee. Why am I sending you, Paul, to the Gentiles? To open their eyes. 
to open their eyes. You read the historical account of when it finally sank in on all the people that the gods that in these Gentile nations that they'd been worshiping, they ransacked these temples. They found out that most of their gods were stone or filled with hay or this or that or the other. And we wonder why we look back now and we say, this is Greek mythology. This is Roman mythology. This is Nordic mythology. Folks, Christianity is being treated as if it is just another type of mythology in the world today. And it's not. It's the only true religion that exists. I don't care how many politicians get up and use Hindu gods in the name of of the Lord God. Uh, it is a it is an absolute affront that that would happen. But it happened right in the halls of our own government when they stood and said and prayed to Brahma, which is a Hindu god, and used it for the Lord God. That happened in our nation. That happened in the halls of our government. Paul, I'm sending you to these Gentile nations to open their eyes and to deliver them from darkness to light. That's true deliverance, folks. That is going from the worship of devils and the worship of idols and the worship of self to the worship of the Most High God, the true and living God. That's what I'm sending you to do, Paul. Not only that, but from the power of Satan unto God to turn them from the power. That's what he told them, wouldn't it? He said, in your life beforehand, you walked according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, which is Satan. You're going to turn them from Satan to God, Paul. (laughs) that is turning from darkness to light my friend that is the definition of the word or the definition of the statement to turn from darkness to light and then he says this uh, not only that but that they may receive forgiveness of sins amen Uh, all of their sins past sins present sins future sins there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not An inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now how do they get it? And Paul said, Among whom we also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Well, I tell you what, when you try to reach somebody and you say, we're better than you were, uh, you're probably not going to be very uh, skilled, are you? You're not going to have a lot of inroads made there. But Paul said, yeah, you Gentiles worship devils, but so did we. Yeah, you didn't believe and you didn't trust in God, and neither did we. Neither did we. But you know what? Paul's writing this letter not just to those. He's not just pouring out this letter to those that are in Ephesus, even though that's to whom it's addressed. 
He's pouring out this letter also to his own people, isn't he? Because he says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Paul was a lot like Jonah. Jonah never went back after going to the Syrians. He never returned. Paul did return though, didn't he? He went back. He did. And then they sent him to Rome. And in a jail in Rome, Paul toppled an empire, writing letters. But God, who is rich in mercy. Now, if there's something that you need to know here today, if you're lost and uh, separated from God, uh, that's what you need to know, is that God is rich in mercy. And you know what? There's a lot of people in the world today that want to say that after you've been saved, after you've become a child of God, that your job is to observe the law. But my friend, mercy rejoiceth against the law. Uh, The mercy is greater than the punishment of the law. Because it's forgiveness from the sins committed against the law. Even as we were dead in sins, and He hath quickened us together in Christ. See, folks, He's saying here is there's no longer Jew and Gentile. He's saying that once we both come to this common place of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's only one, isn't there? There's only one people. Many different languages, but there's only one people. There's no longer Jew and Gentile. The lion's laying down with the lamb, isn't it? There's no longer a war between these two individuals. There's just peace that reigns supreme. And that's what Paul's writing here. Uh, And he's saying, uh, and he hath quickened us together with Christ. And then he says, by grace are you saved. God was angry with the world one time, wasn't he? And God said it grieved him at his heart that he had ever created man. Paraphrasing that. And he appointed Noah, who was a preacher of righteousness. How was mankind preserved through the duration of the flood? By no other means than grace. Because Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. If it hadn't been for Noah finding grace, folks, we're not here today. (laughs) Noah's family wouldn't have been saved. He's quickened us together with Christ. He hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places. Boy, isn't it good when we can sit together in heavenly places? We need a lot more rejoicing in the house of the Lord in the day that we find ourselves in. A lot more rejoicing. He's made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And we get to where we finished. Because by grace are you saved. Through faith. It's unmerited favor with God. If we're going to get redeemed and we're going to become children of God, it's because of what God did. We can't do it, can we? He follows it up. He says, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't work your way into heaven. There's a lot of people today who want to hang on to the idea because they just cannot believe in the eternal security of the believer. And so they elevate their works. And they say, God saves you, but after that point, it's your job to keep it. And I just responded back to him and I said, Brother, if that's the conditions, ain't one of us going to make it. We might as well stop trying. You're not going to work your way into heaven. Your works aren't even going to be able to keep you there. We're kept by the power of God and nothing else. If we're going to be in heaven, it's going to be because of what Christ did and Christ alone. He's the way and He's the truth and He's the life, isn't He? And Paul said, you all were dead in trespasses and sins. Guess what? So were we, but now both of us are united together as one made alive in Christ Jesus by faith. The same faith that Abraham had, we have. Isn't that an amazing thing? To sit and think about the same faith that Abraham had, we have. Who is a blessed man in this world? There's so much questioning about this. Who's a blessed man? Blessed is the man to whom the Lord doth not impute sin. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord doth impute righteousness. It's a gift, isn't it? We should understand that word gift. And that word gift here is not being used in the sense of a bribe. It's being used in the sense of a gift. Uh, it's a present, isn't it, that God gave to mankind, His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that He would come, that He would live a perfect life. And there's some who say, well, he wasn't perfect. Well, my friend, if he wasn't perfect, then he wasn't a suitable sacrifice for sin, so we better start looking for another. There's not going to be another. i got news for you. He's the only one. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Why is it not of works? Why can't you work your way in heaven? That's the Jewish that's what the Jewish the Jews believed. Paul's very familiar with this. You can't work your way into heaven. Why is that? Because we would be able to stand and boast about it, wouldn't we? Friends, we will never stand before God and boast about anything we've done. Ever. We may stand before God and we may hear him say those magnificent words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
I want to I want to I want to try to explain here just really briefly why I don't believe that we won't have anything to boast about. And I believe Paul wrote it in the Roman letter. Chapter 12, verse 2. I'm sorry, let's just do the first two and we're going to close with this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Boys, folks, if whatever we've done for God, it'll be because it was our reasonable service. Because he sent his only begotten son to die that we would even have the opportunity to be saved in the first place. And Paul says in the Ephesian letter, there's no longer two people, there's one. There's one in Christ Jesus. Let us be one as a church in Christ Jesus. And let us reach out to those that are our brethren and treat them like brethren. And treat them like brethren. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And he hath foreordained, and he hath before ordained that we should walk in him. Folks, we have a wonderful hope, don't we? Paul painted a dark picture for the for the Gentiles before they were before the gospel was brought to them. They were hopeless. Folks, we have a hope today, don't we? We have a hope that is never ending. We have a hope that never fades. We have got eternal life. If you're here today and you've never known the Lord Jesus Christ and the free pardon forgiveness of sin, you've never understood that. Uh, he, is the one, he is the propitiation for your sins. The, the, that today is a perfect time to, to come to that full understanding. But you can only come to Him by repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He lives in the heart of the humble and the contrite. You've got to come to Him and on His terms and meet His conditions. And when you do, you'll find out a knowledge that even the, the doctors in Israel didn't know on the day that Christ walked the earth. Because one of them came to him in the middle of the night, Nicodemus, and asked him a question. But Jesus answered the real question, and he said, that unless you were born, you be born again, you won't enter the kingdom of, of God, or the kingdom of heaven. And he didn't understand at all what Christ was talking about. You come today, you seek the Lord for the salvation of your soul. Remember, today is the day, now is the time. Harden not your heart against the Lord. Seek Him while He may be found. That's our message this morning. I pray that you got a blessing out of it. Brother Williams, if you've got a song.